0: In the Old Testament, the Bible says that God revealed himself through his different names. That's when we got to know about his name, the great I am, Jehovah. And then every different name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. You know, through his names, he revealed who he was, and who he is, and who he will be. But now, in the New Testament, he chose Jesus to reveal himself. And he came to reveal himself. You know, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the Father our Heavenly Father He wanted so much to reveal Himself and He wants so much to reveal Himself to you personally the most important the foremost important thing is His presence it is His presence it is His person it is Himself and if we treasure His presence is gonna line up so he came to reveal himself Jesus came to reveal the father and every day of our lives we need him to reveal himself to us in any situation that we are in you know I I, I am in a different situation I might need him to reveal himself as the God of hope hope that I was going to make it here sometime (laughs) (laughs) but you might need him to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha your healer today not yesterday not tomorrow but today he's the great I am he's the God of the present present today today and he wants to reveal himself to you today and that's need to focus our eyes on him because if we have our sight in a different you know, way, looking aside of his person looking in the wrong place we won't receive his revelation if anybody lacks wisdom the word says, well, come to God <laughs> I need your wisdom I need you, Lord. I need you. Tell Him I need you. Know what you can give me. I'm not looking your goodies. I'm looking for you, your person. Looking for you, your presence. You, you are important to me. Your very personal. Know what you can give me. That is implicit. That is already being granted what I need because that's what your word says. Those are your promises. Anything I have need of, you have already given it. But I so need you. I really, tell him I really need you. I so need you. To trust because I like to have the control. Oh, I'm sorry, God. I want to let go. I want you to have the control, Jesus. <laughs> that is here, already here, stay here. Hey, you always anticipate that we will come to you. You come. You arrive before than we do always because you are excited to meet us. We also want to be excited to meet you. Every time. your presence. You teach us this morning. Open up our eyes to see what you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is good. God is good. You may be seated. Yes. Well, the first thing I'm praying, I told Mama Pam, is um, Papa Bill. <laughs> For the interpretation of tongues for you guys, <laughs> that you'll be able to understand my English. <laughs> and I believe that because he's here, thank you, thank you, because he's here, so we are family. Yeah, he decided for some of us to be darker than others, you know, shorter than others. But we do need everyone in the family. We do need everyone. I still so remember when you came down to Mexico. You know how we were blessed, the church, and Puerto Escondido. I know you're coming back. Let <laughs> <laughs> little bit prophesied, Amen. He's coming back, <laughs> Amen. And uh, you know those. Uh, you know what? When in the house, you know they show people like me. You know we cannot reach out. And then we get the taller in the house. Get the thing out there. So the tall one goes and get the thing for you. But then there are little things under somewhere that the taller guy cannot enter in there. (laughs) You know, I'm good for that, to get into those little things over there. (laughs) So God needs us all in his family. Because it was his idea, you know. It was to his desire that we were, were created. You know, how Mexicans, we wish we, were, we, we wish we would have been born in the States. But God doesn't make mistakes. You know? <laughs> doesn't God? You know, God doesn't make mistakes, but you need to pray for the Mexicans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for them to believe that God has a blessing for them in their own land, too. That we just have to dig our own well and we'll find God's blessing. Wherever he's, you know, put you, he has, he has your destiny right there. He has your blessing. He has his plans for your life. And nothing else will satisfy you. You know, nothing else. Sometimes you wonder why, you know, this, this person likes to, to climb up trees, you know. Well, that's what this person is satisfied with because God needs that person that way and some other persons that don't like to be get dirty you know <laughs> delicate women and and you know nice doctors thanks god for their lives you know but he's the one it was his idea and he's put us you know into this big and great family and i'm so thankful i remember when i came to the states in 1988 that's when i met pastor bill and and pastor pam and uh, all what I could see and read in their faces and through their smiles was love, accept, acceptance, and forgiveness. I didn't even know them, but I could feel uh, good being around them. I didn't feel like uh, I wasn't enough, you know, because I wasn't maybe American, but I could feel accepted, embraced by, by them so I wanted to be hanging around them all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I believe that's what God wants us to do. You know, that people, when they come to us, they can feel comfortable. They can feel loved. They can feel accepted. They, that we are not a threat to them. You know? Because the word of God says that any valley will be... What? Put down, and any low place will be, yes, to make, to prepare the way for the Lord. So those of us that are kind of puffed up, is that the word? <laughs> those of us that are kind of mm, good for nothing, I cannot, you know, uh, you know, I'm a failure. My daughter was doing this work to me. Mom, because you didn't make it to La Fiel, Mom. <laughs> I was looking her through face. Time is, and they, oh, Mom, you are. Well, like I die. I say, I canceled that. I'm not a loser. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> Our children always encourage us a lot. <laughs> I love them. We love you guys. <laughs> and uh, uh, but we we are preparing the way of the Lord and He's coming, Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just gonna go into the war and I know that we are kind of I'm sorry that there are some verses I wanna read out of Nehemiah. And if you can help me in uh in 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 over there. Nehemiah <laughs> <Maya> one <laughs> I'm learning still you know English? Yeah Digital, how do you call it, this digital word? (laughs) 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 Nehemiah chapter one, please. And I felt in my heart to share just, you know, three, four things out of Nehemiah. The name of Nehemiah means God of consolation, God God of comfort, comfort, you know. And if we go to Nehemiah chapter 1, please. Verse 3. Here I have it. Uh, We all, I don't know if you have, of course I know that you have read the Bible. And and you have read about Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah was a person just like you and me, any of us, you know. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a prophet. He was working in the palace of a king. And he was uh, this one guy, so trustworthy, that every time that the king was going to drink anything, especially, you know, wine, he would taste it first. And if he, uh, you know, wouldn't die, because there was no poison in the wine, you know, it was the, the, the wine was all right, and the king could drink it. So but the story tells us that one time uh Nehemiah, uh his family, you know, went to see Jerusalem. Nehemiah was one of the ones that were uh taken captive uh, out of uh of Jerusalem, and he was, you know, a slave serving in the in this uh, uh palace, you know, with the king. So when his brother came back, you know, uh with him and he asked about the situation of Jerusalem you know how the situation of Jerusalem was because of course they were Jews and they loved Jerusalem and the verse 3 you know and they said to me the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and his gates are burned with fire his brother told told told, uh, Nehemiah you know they are in affliction and in reproach affliction distress and reproach in the verse 3 and the walls are burned the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates are burned there were the, the, these four things that Jerusalem, you know, uh, uh, the situation that Jerusalem was, you know, at that time. In great affliction, distress, and reproach. The wall was broken down and the gates were burned. So once Nehemiah, you know, learned about the situation of his Jerusalem, so love for him, he, uh, in verse number four, yes, uh, when he, They said, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So once he learned about the situation of Jerusalem, it impacted his heart so much. And he said that he wept, that he mourned, you know, that he prayed that he fast you know because he was so passionate for Jerusalem and he so loved Jerusalem that when he learned about the situation that Jerusalem was in he was uh, totally um, impacted he wasn't a priest he wasn't A prophet he was just a person like you and me and he was moved with compassion if we can transfer uh you know this uh situation to our days now that we are living in and think starting to think we should start thinking in our families in our own families, in our own lives. Because right now we can be in great affliction, in great distress, in reproach. Shame, is that another word for reproach? Um, desolation, you know, our walls are down, our gates are burned. You know, when our walls are down, destroy. That's when we are the vulnerable vulnerable the most. Because the enemy can come in very easily. But we really don't realize, you know, that our walls are down. In Proverbs talks about the man with no restraint, isn't it? When the walls are down. It's like a city with no walls A men with no restraint. Is that the? Yeah. And so restraint, you know, or we can set limits also. Limits are to protect us, not to destroy us. But we, especially when we are young, we don't understand that, you know. We think that it's going to destroy us, but no, it's to preserve us, you know. And, and, and so if we can think in our own lives, you know. And also, the days that we are living in you know, we hear news about the United States of America, but I live in Mexico and nothing is compared to what you guys are living here in the States to what Mexico is, what is happening in Mexico. And the situation is very, very, very sad. And I think that this is all over the world because we have seen that the government doesn't have the answer. At least in Mexico, I don't know here. In, in the sense that in our need to believe we have put our belief in a system of the world but we, but without God there is no answer it's not that we are going to criticize a person you know I'm not talking I, I'm not going to talk bad about my president Though no, he's a murderer I'm sorry it is sad for me to tell you that and, and I'm, I'm you know and I know all the things, but, but we need to understand that the answer is not in, in, in a system of the world. The answer in, is in Jesus' kingdom, in Jesus himself and in his kingdom, in his government, on his government. That is what the answer is. So if we transfer what we just read, you know, about Jerusalem, and now we, we, we think in our own country, and the worst of all, for like, for example, for me as a Mexican, is that I can get used to what happens every day. That I can be walking on the street with another woman, and all of a sudden a car stops, gets the other woman. I'm thankful that I was not, you know, um, taken, kidnapped, yeah. And, 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 and since this is the breath of every day to get used to it and not do anything about it and when we in the natural cannot see that we can do something we just say well this is normal and it is not normal so if we can transfer that from jerusalem to now where we are living, you and your country in america and me in mexico and not get used to what is called normal that is in reality is not normal because it's taking us to destruction i was talking to my sister to maria lena just you know on the phone and i said i'm afraid that somehow mexico will come into a civil war you know because we haven't seen the answer in the government to bring righteousness or justice And the people so much wants justice. But I really don't know if we really want to pay the price for that justice. And us, as the people of God, you know, Jeremiah wasn't a pastor, wasn't a prophet, was just like you and I, but he did take responsibility of the situation of his country. And that's what we are called to take responsibility of our nations. I think more and more in the past, it was like the, the division between the, the ministers and the clergy. Is that the word? Like the laymen. But before God, there is no difference. Before God, all of us have been called to be kings and priests. All of us. One thing is that they have been given, you know, the, uh, uh, to share the word, and of course they are uh, being the pastor, shepherding us, you know, pastoring us, you know, discipling us. But it doesn't—that doesn't mean that you are exempt of responsibility to take for your nation, for my nation. But the worst of all, once again, I'm saying is when I'm, I get used to it. This is the way it is, and I cannot do anything about it, but God God wants us to open up our eyes and he wants us, you know, to take responsibility. When Nehemiah heard about the affliction, reproach, the broken down walls, the burned gates, his heart burned for the situation of his people. So if we want to do a change in our nation, the situation that we are living in our country has to impact us and change us. And do what Nehemiah did. He said that he cried, that he wept, that he mourned, that he prayed, that he fasted. And during that time of prayer, In verse 5, thank you, he cried out to God. He says here that he repented. I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your, your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Six, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Next. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. So he started confessing. One key that I have found in the Bible is that when, that when we cry out to God, he will hear. And he will move. But many times we see things and we do nothing. We don't even cry to him. Have you found yourself like that? Because I have found myself. I see the need. I see the bad. I see, but I haven't come but I, haven't, I, I don't take the time to come and cry out. You have to know for sure that if you cry out to God, he's going to answer. That is a principle of the word of God. That is a principle. That God wants to move in our favor. That God wants to move in America's favor. God is not unjust to forget All the good, all the love that you, America, have done, you know, to all the world. Because America, the United States of America, is the first country, you know, uh, world-wise to send missionaries, to support missionaries. And God will not forget that. He's not unjust. He's not unjust. And I thank you very much for all what you are doing, have done. And uh, and I also ask your forgiveness for what we as foreign people have done bad here in the United States of America. We have no excuse. I'm sorry. And uh this is a huge well that you have dig out. And that's why we wanna come here and, <laughs> and be blessed. <laughs> But it's good now that you know Mexicans. We are being sent back up. We came learn how to work, and now we're going to work down there.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> and Dick, yeah. <laughs> and before God, there are not Mexicans, not Americans. We forgot we are all, you know, his children. I mean, but there are always good things to learn. You know, like in a family. I have my sister, Marlena. You know her. I like to learn a lot of her. You know, from her, I learn. I learned she's very straight forward. Yeah, you you know who she is, yeah. She's very straight, and I am not that straight. (laughs) But I wish sometimes I will learn to be, you know. We will have less problems if we, like Pastor Bill, so nicely, so, you know, smiley, tell you the truth straight, (laughs) you know. And sometimes when we are cowards and we don't say the truth, we just let things to go worse. Yeah. So like in a family, we we all need to learn from each other. And uh, so we are happy that I came to America and I learned from you and I'm still learning from you. Amen. So he cried out. He repented. And while he was praying, he received God's strategy for his country, for Jerusalem. So there is no way that we can do nothing for those that are being destroyed. Amen? Amen. And and, and I know there is more for the United States of America. There is more, there is more. I believe it, I believe in God, that he's always willing to raise us up, to lift us up from where we are at. And I, I know that he is not unjust to forget all the well, you know, all the good that you have done through all the war to all the world. Can we go to Nehemiah chapter two please? Verse three, chapter two, verse three through five. And said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lays waste and its gates are burned with fire? You know, when the king saw Nehemiah's countenance that he was sad. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, verses 5. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father Tom's, that I may rebuild it. How could he have come to the king and asked him, you know, know, send me to rebuild him? If we continue reading on, he doesn't only ask him, uh, you know, permission to go. But he goes. Is he's brave and courageous? He asks the king for the resources and the materials that he needed to rebuild the gates and the walls. Wow! To me, he was very, very, very brave. In, in verse 12, please. So he got from praying and seeing God's face. You know that he was supposed to help rebuilding. Jerusalem so we see a man like any of us you know that what he is doing verse 12 it says then I arose in the night and I and a few men with me I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem nor was there any animal which me except the one on which I wrote excuse me continue on 13 and I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and view the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Let's continue, please. Then I went on the fountain gate and to the king's pool but there was no room for the animal under me to pass and... So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. Well, uh, Nehemiah went to see, you know, how the wall was destroyed. If we continue reading on, it says that when he started to, you know, to build, some people heard about that he was rebuilding trying to rebuild Jerusalem and they wanted to stop them you know so every time that God speaks to you and he tells you what to do and you rise up to do it there is going to come opposition every time every time but if we continue reading on we see how Nehemiah with his men you know uh continue building they wanted them to stop building but they didn't pay any attention. And you know, when we lose focus of what God has called us to do, that's when we stop building. And when we hear louder the intimidations of the enemy than the voice of God inside of us, that's when we stop building. That's why we need to hear louder, louder God's voice than Intimidations, you know, like a, uh, uh, you know, last year, um, I, I I I was feeling very very bad bad physically, and uh, uh, my husband saw me very bad, so he took me to the doctor. I didn't even realize because I was just, but well, sometimes you have to listen to your body, <laughs> but we don't listen, you know, and uh, and and, uh, and so I went ended up in the doctor, and the doctor said that I had problems challenges with my uh, thyroid thyroid and uh hyper hyper uh-huh, exactly and uh <laughs> and 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 when i heard the report let me tell you that it shook me it shook me i had i've been always you know healthy thanks god and but it really shook me so that is an intimidation for the enemy from the enemy when you receive an evil report you know when you receive this Uh, you know report uh, against your health and there are many different reports you know i don't know It, it doesn't have to be about your health but there are many things that come against you that is intimidation from the enemy and then what do we need to do we need god's voice to rise you know louder than the enemy's voice so that we can continue on with what he has told us that we are to do, that he has called us to do. Amen? And uh, 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 so there is always going to be intimidation. There is always going to be opposition. But we are not supposed to uh, let, you know, stop us, verdad? Also, uh, when they heard, you know, these people coming against them, Nehemiah, they felt fear. They feel fear, and fear also will stop us. So we cannot allow fear in our lives. A lady that was riding with me in the plane, she just told me that fear, I wrote it down, I'll show it to you. Fear means false evidence appearing real. Wow. Well, to me, was a great revelation? Fear. False evidence appearing real. You already knew it. No wonder you're not surprised. (laughs) But to me, that was, wow. So something that looks like it's real, but it is not real. False evidence appearing real. So that will stop us. But God wants us to continue on. He is the Lion of Judah. And the Lion of Judah is inside of us. And the Lion of Judah wants to roar through us. We cannot back up. In fear, we have to move forward. Amen. And Nehemiah was just like one, any of us. And his call was to build, to intercede, and to build. To intercede and to reveal. If you can stand up with me, please. Would you close your eyes with me, please, also, and connect with him? The devil just comes like a dog to bark, but he really doesn't have any power over you because the blood of Jesus is over you. You cannot allow any intimidation. Don't give it any place. Don't let any little place in your life because it will take more and more ground. There are some things that, you know, we struggle with. But when we've allowed ourselves to be intimidated, we are out of faith totally. And without faith, we cannot please God. And without faith, we cannot do anything that he has called us to do. And God is, he has... You know, chosen to do it this way, he's always has chosen the less (laughs) or the least to confound the most. That is being his way. Of course, there is room for everybody, the wise and the unwise. But he, all of us, he wants us to trust in him, not in our, our ability not in our knowledge not in our strength but in his strength in his ability in his power God's voice has to be stronger inside of you than the intimidation of the enemy when Nehemiah was being and his men that were building were being intimidated, he said, "I have no time to listen to your, to your intimidations because I have to build. I have to rebuild Jerusalem. I have no time to listen to your intimidations." And we read that he had in one hand the sword, and with the other hand he was—they were rebuilding. We have no time to listen to to the intimidations of the enemy. Also in this book of the Bible, it talks that we are to fight for our families, for our children, for our spouses. That we are to raise up and fight. We have to do it. We have to stand fight for our children. You know Solomon, Solomon didn't have to fight any giant because David killed all of them. (laughs) So if we rise and do what God has called us to do, our children will have not to encounter what we did. It is worth it all. It is worth it all. Our children will stand on our shoulders and they will get farther than what we have gotten it is worth it all it is worth it all do not listen to the intimidations of the enemy rise up rise up rise up father god we are here right now before you God no every time he calls us to do something and we are not doing it we are saying no to God and we are saying yes to the flesh and we cannot do that you are facing right now God has given you the the weapons and let God's voice rise louder in this room and I break the power in Jesus name in Jesus name I break it all intimidation is gone in Jesus name intimidation that you will not have enough to pay your children's education I break it in Jesus name intimidation Illnesses, sickness, that you're gonna die, that is a lie from the devil. I break it, you will live, and you will proclaim (laughs) the goodness of the Lord. Because in your presence, there cannot be any sickness or illness, Lord. It is true, Jesus that break the power of the enemy break those wrong words that have been spoken over your life that you are a loser that's a lie in Jesus name we break it you are a conqueror overcomer. here, in every one of us, Lord, that we can feel pain for the situation of our families, of our country, and that we will kneel down, that we will bow our knees before you, Lord, crying out to you, and that you will show us what is it that you have called us, where is it that you have called us to build? And what is it that you have called us to do?